The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I'll start by welcoming everybody. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Diana Clark. I'm quite happy to be here as we kind of kicking off a new series. I forgot the exact title. It's something like Insight. Uh, teachings for the experienced practitioner, something like this. And um, I will just say a little bit what what's meant here by experienced practitioner. What's meant here is that um, I won't be going over the very basics. You know, what is mindfulness? I won't be going over the very basics. What are the four noble truths? I won't be going over the basics of you know how to pay attention to the breath or things like that. Instead, my intention is to build on that, assuming that you already have that uh, familiarity and that you have some practice. Um, So each of these weeks, there's five weeks, each of the weeks will unfold a little bit differently depending on the topic that we're studying or the topic we're exploring, the topic that we're investigating. And so today I'll talk for a little bit and then I'll do a guided meditation. So some other days we may start with meditation and then I'll talk afterwards. And maybe on some days we'll have some small group discussions. Some other days we won't. So there isn't a fixed format for all of these. I'm trying to kind of like feel into what's the best way to work with um, some of these topics. So for today, the topic is Vedana. It's a Pali word the, from the language of the time of the Buddha. It's um, often translated as feeling, but not feeling as emotion. Feeling as the, as the quality of an experience. Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Or is it neutral? Vedana gets pretty simple. It's just that so you get to choose one of those three. And before I jump into that, um, I'd like to read a few little passages uh, from the suttas that I actually uh, enjoy. Maybe you've heard of these passages. Maybe they'll be familiar with you. And then we'll try to build on them and work with them and see, okay, how is this relevant to us uh, as practitioners? And how can we practice with them? So the first one is about... um, a non-monastic, what to kind of in the Buddhist suttas they call a householder. Anybody who's not ordained is a householder. And it goes like this. The householder Nakulapita approached the Blessed One, approached the Buddha, paid homage to him, sat down to one side and said to him, I'm old, venerable sir. I'm aged, burdened with years advanced in life, come to the last stage, afflicted in body, often ill. I rarely get to see the Blessed One and those monks worthy of esteem. Let the Blessed One exhort me, Venerable Sir. Let him instruct me, since that would lead to my welfare and happiness for a long time. So it is, householder, so it is. This body of yours is afflicted, is weighed down, is encumbered, 
if anyone carrying around that body were to claim to be healthy, even for a moment, what does that do to other than foolishness? Therefore, householder, you should train yourself thus. Even though I am afflicted in body, my mind will be unafflicted. Thus should you train yourself. And then I'll paraphrase the remaining. Nakula Buddha is delighted, leaves the Buddha, tells one of the Buddha's senior attendants what happens, and and then Sariputta Sariputta asks the householder, well, what does that mean? (laughs) And Nakula Buddha says, well, I'm not sure what it means, actually. And Sariputta gives him a, a teaching that's related to the teaching I'm going to give Um, and definitely points to the same teaching that I'm going to give. It's not the exact, precise same teaching I'm going to give. But this idea of to train yourself, that even though you're afflicted in body, you you can be unafflicted in mind. And of course, I appreciate this sutta because, um, you know, there's, these are human beings. Here's a person who's old and in pain, and the Buddha's not, not sugarcoating it and saying, yeah, you're old, you're in pain. So here's a second passage that uh, probably is familiar to all of you. You've heard it in one version or another. Here is, I'll read from the, um, the suttas again. So the Buddha is speaking unto a group of monastics, and he says, When uninstructed worldlings, that is, people who maybe don't have um, some attainment. So um, that may be some of us here in this room, maybe all of us here in this room. When uninstructed worldlings are being contacted by a painful feeling, they sorrow, they grieve, they lament, they weep, beating their breast and becoming distraught. They feel two feelings, a bodily one, and a mental one. Suppose a person were to strike another person with an arrow, and then they would strike that second person immediately with a second arrow. So too, when the uninstructed worldlings are being contacted by painful feelings, they feel two feelings, a bodily one and a mental one. If you've been around in the Buddhist scene for a while, you're familiar with this idea of the two arrows, the second arrow. That is the idea, right, that life just brings us the first arrow. But often it's uh, something that we do to ourselves. We're like picking up and stabbing ourselves with the second arrow. The idea is that the second arrow is not obligatory. It's just often a habit. So how does this relate to Vedana? So as I mentioned, Vedana, I I think I will use this word because um, it's often translated as feeling, but in English, feeling has a whole range of meanings. Sensation, emotions, um, like a sense of something, I have a feeling that's not quite right. So sometimes I'll... um, use the word feeling, maybe sometimes I'll use the word sensation, but I also will use this word Vedana, just to highlight that I'm not just talking about emotions as feelings. 
So as I said, there's pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. But all of us know, we all have this experience, it's actually a spectrum, right? There's the really unpleasant, there's the really pleasant, and somewhere in the middle where we're not quite sure, it doesn't seem to be pleasant or unpleasant, I'm not sure what it is, that's the neutral. For each of us, we can explore and discover this range for ourselves, where the neutral is exactly and what neutral feels like. And I'm using this word neutral, but um, in the Pali, some of you may know the actual um, language is not pleasant and not unpleasant. So something that's, yeah, we can explore and find this for ourselves. We experience one Vedana at a time. So if it's pleasant at that moment, means it's not unpleasant. It may be unpleasant in a subsequent moment, but at that moment it's just one at a time. And there are mental events. There are mental things that are happening. They're not uh, inherent in objects. It's something that arises in the mind. I think all of us know this, that maybe ice cream is pleasant, the first bowl, maybe the first pint, maybe the first quart, maybe the first gallon. But if you keep on eating ice cream, <laughs> it's no longer pleasant, right? The headache, the feeling of all that sugar, the body, I don't know exactly how it feels. but So it's not inherent in the object, right? The feeling is a mental event that's occurring in the mind even though it may arise subsequent to some bodily sensation, the experience of ingesting ice cream, for example. So this is um, part of what's being pointed to in these two uh, suttas that I read. There's bodily events and there's mental events. One type of mental event is Vedana. This, is it pleasant? unpleasant or neutral. Why does Vedana matter? Who cares if it's pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral? There's lots of different ways I could go with this. One is, if you've been around in the Buddhist scene, you know about these four noble truths. Second noble truth points to the cause of suffering. What underlies our suffering? What creates the conditions for suffering reliably? Craving. Craving. Wanting something. It may be subtle. It may be gross. It's still that same movement of the mind. Wanting something that is not being satisfied with what actually is, but wanting something. This kind of like push, this leaning towards. I think we all know this. I want this pleasant thing to stay. I want this pleasant thing to increase. I want this unpleasant thing to go away. I want this unpleasant thing to end. I want this neutral thing to be a little bit more interesting because I can't pay attention to things that are just dull or not so um, vivid. So what that is pointing to is that's what's underlying craving is Vedana. 
things that are pleasant, we crave to have more for them to stay. Things that are unpleasant, we crave for them to go away. And things that are neutral, we crave for them to somehow either become neutral or be more entertaining, (laughs) engaging, to be something other than just kind of blah. What's craving? Craving's another mental event. So we have this Vedana arises. We have a sensation, let's say. It may come from the mind. It may come from the body. That sensation gives rise to pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And that gives rise to craving. That craving gives rise to suffering. So maybe if we can interrupt somewhere here before the craving, maybe there's an opportunity for us to find more freedom. Like this was one of the key teachings. So how do we do that? How do we interrupt this craving? So one way is to bring our awareness to Vedana. Bring our awareness to the felt experience of something being pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. When we do this, we'll notice a few things. We'll notice that, wow, there's like a pleasant, 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 unpleasant, pleasant, unpleasant, 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 pleasant. They're always changing. If we're really just paying attention to the tone of our experiences, notice that they're fluctuating. If we investigate or explore a little bit, we'll see that they're not arising for no reason whatsoever. This pleasant sensation has arisen because I'm eating ice cream. This unpleasant sensation is arising because I've been sitting in this meditation posture in a way that my body is now complaining about. So we start to notice that it's part of cause and effect. It's conditioned. And we can also notice that we don't have control. We don't get to say, okay, only pleasant sensations from here on out. We've all tried. (laughs) Of course we've tried. And if you were successful, you would not be sitting in this room coming to a Dharma talk. So when we notice some of the the impermanence, the conditioned nature, and that we don't have control over these, the mind just naturally softens. The mind naturally can let go and not lead into craving and not lead into suffering and lead to more freedom, peace, ease, Awakening, liberation. So there, you may say, well, I can notice impermanence, conditionality, and uh, uncontrollability of all kinds of things. Why? What, what's so special about Vedana? There are a few things. There's a few advantages of looking at the Vedana in this way. 
Vedana is one of the very first, if not the first, mental event to happen after another event has happened. That is, whether it's a sensation in the body or it might be like another mental event. But all events then have Vedana following them. And then that Vedana may lead to some, like the craving. So if we can detect this mental events early in their process, then we can have a, a work with them before they're full-blown, full force, before we have like maybe some mental proliferation that we've been going with a long time. Before we've done some unskillful things, before, as a reaction to an unpleasant sensation, we've and an unskillful action, or maybe started a whole thinking chain that doesn't lead to freedom. So that's one thing. Kind of helps us to stop the chain of mental events that happens after every single event. A second is paying attention to Vedana. Is something pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? It's very simple. Simple in terms of, maybe I shouldn't, it's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying, it's, you just notice, is this pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral? That can be easier than looking at our contents of our mind, the quality of our thoughts, or maybe even being with a whole range of bodily sensations. It helps us bring us back to the simplicity. Okay, just to help me not get lost in this, is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Is it neutral? It's a very simple thing. And with the simplicity, maybe there can be a certain like quieting or slowing down or of the whatever mental proliferation might be happening. Another advantage of working with Vedana is that we can bring this with us in our daily life. Sometimes, in the midst of doing lots of things, it's uh, difficult to pay attention to what's happening in our minds. Maybe we're not so aware to all parts of our body, but often we can tune into just, okay, whatever my experience is right now, is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Is it neutral? It's easier than being mindful of our thoughts, because, right, we just often get lost in our thoughts. So instead we can... Pay attention to this mental event. Is it pleasant? Is it unpleasant? Is it neutral? And this kind of creates an anchor, a grounding, a stability in which there can be a slowing down and a minimizing or a lessening of the proliferation. So I'm going to say a little bit about how to work with um, different types of Vedana, and then we'll do it. We'll do a guided meditation. We'll uh, practice with this. Maybe I'll start with unpleasant Vedana. When we're meditating and we notice that something is unpleasant, one way to work with it is to simply note unpleasant and move on 
there's no there's no f- uh, requirement to hang out with unpleasant things if they feel um, overwhelming, unbearable, unproductive. If the pain is, if there is like real pain, if there's like physical pain, which often there is, right? Our lives are filled with unpleasant sensations. If it becomes strong, maybe we can create space around it, around like the bodily sensation, for example, in the knee. Can we bring our awareness to the whole body so that our um, awareness doesn't collapse around that unpleasant sensation? You can see if there's other parts of the body that are not experiencing unpleasant sensations. If it's not strong, such as an itch, or maybe there's a tightness, or maybe some tension that you're feeling, see if you can hang out there for a little while. And notice what your mind is doing with this uncomfortable sensation. And observe kind of like that push in the mind that wants to wants this to go away, wants it to end. So you can have the object of your meditation become that push in the mind, that feeling in the mind of this has got to be different. So to be clear, the task is not to sit through excruciating pain. You don't ennoble yourself by sitting through pain, uh, lots of pain instead. You can notice if it's uncomfortable, just notice the uncomfortableness and notice what's happening in your mind just as long as it's productive and helpful. If it's no longer productive and helpful, you're getting lost, you're getting overwhelmed, just let it go as best you can. Working with pleasant sensations. Of course, we are all habituated to comfort, right? We always want comfort. Part of this practice will help increase our capacity to be with discomfort. That is, can we more and more find comfort with being uncomfortable? It's a practice. And we may think that as long as our practice is really strenuous, as long as it's really demanding, it must be leading us forward on the path. That must be the way to go. But in fact, that's not necessarily the case. Everything pleasant doesn't need to be rejected because we have this idea it's going to lead to craving. In the same way we can explore it, oh, this is pleasant. And just notice kind of what happens in the mind. This, again, this kind of push for wanting it to be maintained, for it wanting to not diminish, continue, maybe even get stronger. But the practice um, becomes, does this type of pleasure, does this type of happiness, if it's that type of a pleasant sensation, does it lead to greater freedom? Or does it lead to bondage, suffering? Am I getting tangled up around it? With uh, pleasant sensations, we can pay attention to their impermanent nature. It is their nature 
to change. We don't have to take it personally. All pleasant sensations will end. And then to working with those sensations, or Vedana, I should say, that are neutral, the tendency for the mind is to shift quickly to something, some sort of distraction, if there's something that's not uh, too interesting. We tend to think that things that um, aren't too pleasant or unpleasant are just uninteresting. But this inability to be with kind of the neutral feelings leads us to dramatize or exaggerate our experiences. It leads us to overlay everything with the likes and dislikes instead of just saying, oh, it's like this, I'm not... It's not pleasant and it's not unpleasant. So if we make a conscious effort to remain aware of those feelings that are those Vedana that are not pleasant or unpleasant and stop ignoring them, then we can diminish this uh, tendency to want to dramatize or make things be big and so that we can feel them or support a sense of self we might have. So to practice with this idea of Vedana, I'd like to lead us through a guided meditation where we're going to use bodily sensations as kind of an easier way to um, work with Vedana. That is, we have bodily sensations that have a pleasant tone, we have bodily sensations that have an unpleasant tone, we have bodily sensations that have a neutral tone. Vedana, of course, um, also refers to mental events, and we'll talk about this in a moment. So I don't want to suggest that it's only through bodily sensations. It's just easiest to start practice there with um, gaining familiarity with just working with pleasant, unpleasant, neutral it's helpful to begin with uh, bodies, with working with uh, body sensations. So, whatever sensations that we are encountering during this meditation, whether they're feelings of openness or feelings of tightness or feelings of pressure or lightness or feelings of tension, feelings of ease, there's no need to get involved with the details of their individual manifestations. To be sure, I've um, led quite a few body scans where we are getting involved with the details and we're asking questions, is it tingling, is it throbbing? Here we're putting those questions aside and we're just feeling into, sensing into, is it pleasant, is it unpleasant, is it neutral? Okay, so with that as kind of a long introduction, we'll do some meditation. So you're, if you'd like, you're welcome to adjust your seat, get a cushion if you'd like, or adjust your posture. Okay, 
So we'll start with three long, slow, deep breaths, just as a way to connect with the body. Feeling the sensations of breathing. Now starting from the top of the body, can you explore the occurrence of any pleasant sensation? Somewhere on the surface of the body, in the interior of the body. Maybe it's a feeling of temperature. Maybe it's a feeling of ease. Maybe there's a little bit of relaxation. Check in with the head. Is there some sensations that have a pleasant tone? The shoulders and the arms. Are there any sensations that have a pleasant tone? The hands. Is there a certain pleasantness and whatever they're contacting. Maybe there's some smoothness, some warmth, some coolness. Is there something that has a pleasant feeling? It doesn't have to be wildly pleasant. It can be mildly pleasant. The top of the back, the lower back, Are there any pleasant sensations? The chest. Is there any sense of ease that's pleasant? Maybe an openness that's pleasant. The belly. Maybe there's some contentment. The pressure of the chair or the body feeling grounded. Maybe there's a pleasant toneness, pleasant tone to that. The legs. The feet. Now we'll do a second body scan. This time we're going to highlight unpleasant sensations. Is there something that's unpleasant? Sensation that has an unpleasant tone, feeling. the face, shoulders, 
Is there something that feels maybe a little tight, a little constricted, that leads to a general unpleasant quality to it? Again, it can just be mildly. If it's really uncomfortable, there's no need to stay there. If it feels a little bit overwhelming or unbearable or somehow just not helpful. At this point, we're just familiarizing ourselves. What does unpleasantness feel like? The arms, the hands. the upper back, the lower back. Are there any sensations that have unpleasant feeling? The chest, the belly, the pressure of the cushion against your body. Is there an unpleasant quality? The legs, your feet, now as you might suspect we'll do it a third time We'll scan, looking for those sensations that are neither pleasant nor unpleasant. At the top of the head, the face. You don't have to strain to find these. They're not as obvious. shoulders. Are there any neither pleasant nor unpleasant sensations? Neutral. Arms. Hands. Top of the back. Upper back. Lower back. The chest, the belly, any neutral sensations, sensations that have a neutral tone, and the pressure of the chair or the cushion against your body, maybe parts of that are neutral, or if not the pressure itself, maybe in that region of the body. The legs, the feet. Are there any sensations that are neither pleasant nor unpleasant? And now that we are more familiar with these different types of sensations, sensations that have a pleasant Vedana, sensations that have an unpleasant Vedana. 
sensations that have neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Can we do one more scan, just noticing the sensations and just noticing their tone? Pleasant, unpleasant, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Be silent for a bit. You can do this at your own pace. Again, we're just noticing the hedonic tone of the sensations of experiences. We don't have to worry about the particular what those experiences are, where they are, just are they pleasant, are they unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Now, if you'd like, you don't have to, it's not required, of course. You can open up your awareness to include any type of sensation, any type of event, including mental events. They have a pleasant, unpleasant, neither pleasant nor unpleasant way to add to them too, though that may, it's a little bit more difficult to notice. But there may be something like sounds, which maybe aren't quite as, have such a big impact on our physical body. So 
we can just open up our awareness to all of our experiences and just notice pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. If it's not clear, you're not sure, that's okay. There's no need to struggle to try to figure it out. You might just note, hmm, I'm not sure, I don't know. There's no need to strain. You feel like you're trying to, like this is a real endeavor. See if you can do this in a relaxed, open way. If you notice that something is pleasant or unpleasant or neither pleasant or unpleasant, can you notice whether it's due to something that happened on the body level, the physical level, or is it due to something that happened on the mental level? Again, without straining, but just a gentle inquiry, if it's obvious. And you can just note that. If it's not obvious, there's no need to spend a lot of effort to dig and figure it out.
And you notice what's the nature of these experience of pleasant, unpleasant, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Are they concrete, solid, wispy, slow-moving, fast-moving, obvious, subtle, It's easy as you can just stay with a body scan and just noticing the different sensations. If you find it's a little bit hard to be open to all the sensations. And you notice that push in the mind that happens after an event, that push of wanting for more pleasure, this craving for pleasure. And then to end this meditation, you can feel the pressure of the chair, the cushion, the floor against your body. Feel your feet on the ground. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. So with that meditation, we first did a body scan looking at the pleasant sensations. Then we did a scan looking at unpleasant sensations. And then did a scan doing with neither pleasant nor unpleasant. I intentionally did neither pleasant nor unpleasant neutral 
third with the idea that you may be a little bit more settled and it may be a little bit easier to detect these uh, sensations that are often not so easy to detect. And then we just opened it up to whatever sensations there might be after gaining a certain amount of familiarity. If you, just in case you didn't have them, or just, uh, yeah, maybe I'll just say familiarity with uh, those experiences. So, are there some comments or questions? What was that like? If you're accustomed to doing mindfulness of breathing, this is something different. Were these different sensations obvious to you? Were they, did you have some difficulty? Um, did you find it, uh, appreciate the simplicity? Is just pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? Or did it feel a bit awkward? Do you have questions? Love to hear, how, how was that? Yeah, can we use the microphone? Can you send the microphone behind you? It was challenging for me to not judge my interpretation of the sensation. So there was like a secondary emotional component to it. So I would compare the initial judgment of the sensation to a spectrum of other sensations that I've had. And am I accurately interpreting this? And then kind of feeling perplexed and then just trying to move on so it was kind of challenging in that way that's nice I like this word perplexed because sometimes we feel like I'm not sure I don't actually know great thank you for thank you for sharing that Um, I kind of had a sleepy mind but I I like the simplicity of just having three bins but I noticed that um like, I would feel a sensation, but I wasn't really sure if it was pleasant or unpleasant. It was almost this extra activity to to label it. Um, I think that was pleasant. I think that was unpleasant. Um, based on whether I wanted more of it or if, I, if there was, like, a slight kind of something in the body about that. And I noticed with there were only one or two that I thought were neutral, but my mind, like, quickly was just... On to the next thing. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I think you you pointed to something really important. This is often how we know whether it's pleasant or unpleasant is, am I leaning forward? Okay, that must be a pleasant. Am I leaning away? Okay, that must be unpleasant. That's often how we know, right? Just what kind of the subsequent thing that happens. Which is perfectly fine, right? We're just trying to simplify and get um, closer to the beginning of what may be a big, long train or chain of um, other subsequent events and so you noticed kind of wow, the, the push or pull of the sensations I think that's fantastic thank you anybody else um, I just was astounded how many unpleasant sensations are in my body because I don't go around sitting thinking I feel real uncomfortable so it wasn't until I <laughs> So you asked me to find them. I thought, well, yeah, I went hiking today. My legs are kind of sore. My pants are tight. You know, are tight. And I don't like the way my hair is falling. Or <laughs> it's not normally my uh, state, but anyway. Yeah. And so, do you think that you have those um, sensations are occurring 
Um, only when you were, this time when you're looking at them, or that you just... No, I, I think they occur all the time, just they're usually kind of in the background, you know, yeah. I'm not really paying attention. So I, I was just amazed how many that there were. Yeah, okay. just notice, like all of you that are adjusting your posture any tiny little way, you know, doing this kind of thing, right, yeah. I'm doing this too, right? It's amazing how much of this kind of just a little bit of unpleasantness is causing us to shift or fidget or something like this and we don't even know it and we don't even know it thank you Beth. so you know this is uh, in the early days of practice there was sort of this leaning into investigating the sensation, especially if it was unpleasant, you know, okay, okay, it's, we, conceptually we say this is pain, and we have aversion to pain, so as we start to explore and investigate, okay, what is it exactly, you know, tingling, and all this sort of, and, and sort of that was like, sort of elementary practice in terms of, uh, quote, Vipassana, seeing clearly. But what I've come to also pay attention to is what you were saying, which I liked. So if I'm having a really, it's, you know, you can tell it's building the unpleasant intensity, that, that spectrum. Sometimes, like, it'll start maybe here in the knee, but it'll move up into the hip joint. And then it's like, it feels like bone on bone, mm. and I'm going, ooh, where can I find the rest of my attention a little less difficult? Yeah. So the neutral, so the tongue against the roof of the mouth, mm. it's pretty neutral, I noticed, I, for me. I said, oh, there's a nice neutral little safe haven <laughs> to put my attention on a little bit and expand out. You know, what you're describing, which is, uh, I think, uh, can sometimes give the mind some rest. Yeah. Instead of the contracting nature that can start to happen. Yeah. So for a long time, I I really sat in a lot of pain. Mm. You know, because, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a no. dummy, I guess. <laughs> no, that, that was kind of the rhetoric. It's either, you know... Yeah. It was when a they, teaching when our teachers first came back over from That's Asia, right. the Asian teachers were like, "Sit in pain, sit in pain, sit in pain." If you're not in pain, you're not. You know, it's it was all about this, and we've kind of the pendulum has swung to the other side. It's like, okay, just relax. So uh, I think it kind of goes back and forth, but there's no need to sit in pain. We can learn from it, though. Thank you, Richard. Yeah, Bill. Sometimes there's some subliminal unpleasant sensation, like a little stitch in my tight back. And then when I consciously look at it, it doesn't seem so bad. It's not really unpleasant anymore (laughs) as soon as I look at it. It's it's not pleasant. Maybe it's not really neutral, but so I guess it's unpleasant. but, But when I look at it, and see, it's just a stitch in my back. Kind of, the unpleasantness kind of goes away. And what did, what happened with your sense of ease, your sense of freedom, 
as things started, as they shifted from pleasant, oh wait, I'm going to look at this, maybe it's not so unpleasant. What was the consequence? Oh, there's more, more ease. Yeah, yeah. How many of you notice this too, as we start to kind of like settle and look at things? And I was sitting up here and I thought, oh, I think if I weren't meditating, that would be unpleasant. But right now it's just a sensation and right, just kind of that uh, capacity to be with it and to hold it. And in that way, we're not being pushed around, just always looking for comfort, always looking for comfort. There's nothing wrong with looking for comfort, but let's be honest, comfort sometimes just simply is not available. Sometimes it's, right, it's the truth of the human experience. There's unpleasant um, things happening in our interior life. There's unpleasant things happening in the body. So with this, if we can just learn to just notice, yeah, unpleasant. And just to somehow allow it to be that way, just to notice. And then maybe notice something else that's pleasant. And notice something else that's, I'm not sure if it's pleasant or unpleasant. And just that there, it's a collection that are changing. We don't have control over them. And, and so if we do this enough, is this maybe what starts to happen? That what we're noticing is... Not so much whether this sensation is or experience is pleasant or unpleasant, but we're starting to notice how our mind reacts to it. Yeah. And I'm using this kind of this general word like the push of the mind. And the more we gain familiarity with oh yeah, there's always this kind of push of wanting things to be more pleasant, basically more comfortable. And we start to realize, oh, that's extra. It doesn't have to be that push of the mind. Another way that we could use this kind of push, I'm saying push, but it's also, it can be experienced as a pull, right? A pull back. But another way to, um, another word for that could be craving. And we know the craving leads to suffering. So it's a way in which we can soften, loosen, diminish, let go of the craving. So, I've never thought of this until just now. But, suppose I'm doing my regular sitting and attempting to follow the breath. uh, But having a very hard time doing that. Because the mind wants to go off into daydream. Uh, Maybe, could it be useful to shift the attention from breathing to purposely choosing to look at sensations in the body because maybe they're more interesting than at this time than the breath is and it's uh, a way of having a object of meditation that you can stay with for a while that absolutely absolutely this can be an alternative way and it helps us don't underestimate how powerful it can be to just gain familiarity with with unpleasant and then what the mind does afterwards pleasant yes. and then what the mind does afterwards but in order to know what the mind does afterwards we need to just be able to noticing that first uh, event or that first sensation pleasant unpleasant neutral makes sense okay thank you you're welcome you're welcome yes can we like slide the microphone so I, I noticed that when or, <clears throat> or what surprised me was how uh, when I would 
my attention would um, rest on the sensations, how they would seem to vaporize. They would just tend to, like, let go. And also when I find that there are, um, they were stronger and didn't do that, that, um, like, curiosity about them could kind of change them, that they would be maybe unpleasant, but I think, okay, um, maybe there's another way to interpret this, you know, and, and they would shift. And did you, with that kind of shift or this idea of there's another way to interpret it, did you feel like there was more freedom or less freedom? Oh, more that? freedom. Definitely. Yeah, right. Turns out that this practice can be really powerful. It can be really powerful, partly because of its simplicity, and partly because we really start to see how we're just reacting to pleasant, unpleasant, neutral things, events, sensations. It's not that complicated. And then with that, maybe there can be some spaciousness and some ease around it. Thank you. I also noticed a pattern. Just maybe this is part of Stanford conditioning, but there was. Um, so when you said we can only experience one Vedana at a time, I was a little um, skeptical. It's like, no, it's so complex. <laughs> it's probably like 12 at a time. <laughs> and then you notice, oh, it's actually. And the, the, the beauty of this, simplicity of this, is that it can be complex in terms of intensity. I was thinking like cold or hot, like how much, how pleasant, and how so intensity of both, and neutral is kind of just in the middle. And then I noticed that when, when it's neutral, what followed n- the, n- the realization of neutral was always unpleasant, of this like, ugh, because it's not interesting to the mind. And then uh, with the recognition of the unpleasant, immediately p- the pleasant, like almost like as a rescue, and then that proliferates, and it's like, oh, like, maybe let's not go too hot, so then it would go back to neutral. And then it would be like, oh, well, but this is boring. And so, <laughs> and this is codependent arising, I realized it later. It's like, oh, well, it is one at a time, but codependently arising. So it's, you know, if this, that, it's so powerful. But that there was a pattern. So it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Thank you. Thank you. This can be really powerful. This can be very powerful. Yeah. I guess I learned something from this activity too. Um, for me, it's important not to be too formulaic. Um, I was, I came into this room and I guess felt so exhausted that it was a struggle for me just to sit. And I know that the formula is, well, that's a time maybe I should stand up. Or, but for me, I could hardly sit. I just felt myself like wanting to keel over. And so I finally just gave into it. <laughs> I'm keeling over. I don't think I've ever lied, you know, did a lying down 
meditation. But it was exactly what I needed to do because it was um, all of a sudden unpleasant, 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 continually um, became pleasant, which was nice. And I could kind of stay with it and I thought, okay, I'm just going to fall asleep. I know that's what's going to happen here. But I didn't. And um, so there was a little bit of a lesson for me in that. And not um, maybe there was some... Now I feel fine. Um, maybe there was something to be gained with following intuition, too, and not being too formulaic about um, the practice. So yeah. this was an interesting experience for me. Yeah, thank you for sharing, Peter. So not being formulaic and maybe not struggling. Like, okay, can I just be with what is? Can I just actually notice, okay, this is the truth of the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of unpleasant sensations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I'll use that as a, um, a segue to sometimes in the spiritual practices in general maybe I'm not sure but in Buddhist practice there can be this idea that somehow pleasure leads to craving that pleasure leads to clinging we really shouldn't have too much pleasure or that pain is um, leads to craving or pain leads to clinging and we really shouldn't have pain, or maybe we should have pain so that we don't have pleasure, or you know, we may have all kinds of ideas about the role of pain and the role of pleasure in meditation practice and Buddhist practice in our lives. I think this is worthwhile exploring. And then so to order to do this, I invite you to get into groups of three, or four. I'm not, I'm not sure if I counted here. Yeah, we can um, get into groups of three. And actually, why don't you get into a group of three, and then I'll give you the first question you can talk about. And so, how we'll do this is that this isn't so much as just a general conversation. It's more as one person will say one idea. It's very simple. They don't have to tell a big story around it. Just an idea. The second person will say an idea. The third person will say an idea. Then it comes back around to the first person, who of course has heard what everybody else has said and has a new idea or builds on it. Or if you don't have a new idea, you can say that too. You can say like, well, I'm not sure. What we're not doing, or not giving each other advice, we're not telling long, complicated stories about ourselves or about our meditation practice or something. But this is an opportunity to just kind of explore and maybe get to the edge of your understanding, either by having repeatedly say something, and or I'm hearing what other people have to say, just as a way to kind of like deepen our understanding. So if you want to. You're welcome to move the chairs anywhere you want and uh, go anywhere in the building and um, get into groups of three. Or four. Yeah, there'll need to be, I think, two groups of four. Who needs who needs... uh, so there need so okay let's have two groups of four rather than one group of five so Lydia can you go to one group and can you go to another group yeah
Okay, here's the first question. What types of pleasure, what types of happiness lead to greater ease and greater freedom? What pleasant sensations lead to greater ease and greater freedom? You can choose. Is it a physical sensation? Is it a mental sensation? Is it a physical event, a mental event? Which ones lead to greater ease and greater freedom? And the person who is sitting closest to this wall, the wall that I'm sitting against, uh, goes first. And then you can go uh, clockwise. And then to move on to the second question. Maybe I'll ring the bell. So maybe you won't be surprised that the next question, what kind of unpleasant sensations lead to greater ease? What kind of uncomfortable sensations create the conditions for more freedom? And let's see, how about, can we have the person that's closest to the big windows over here starts? And again, we'll go clockwise. Thanks. Okay, now that we're back in the larger circle, I'd love to hear, how was that? How was it to hear yourself talk about pleasant sensations, unpleasant sensations? How was it to learn from other people? How was it to consider uh, the value or the consequence of pleasant or unpleasant in terms of whether or not they lead to greater freedom, greater ease, as opposed to just whether they're pleasant or not? Were there any learnings, any... Great. Can we send the microphone just to right behind? I noticed again how unenlightened I am because I feel secondary emotions attached to me describing an event. So it's almost as if I haven't acknowledged that I'm separate from the memory. So telling the story and I'm summoning emotions, which is not necessary for me right now. This is fantastic that you notice this. This is the practice. No, this is exactly the practice. Like, oh wait, this is extra. I don't have to do this. But just because we notice doesn't mean we can stop doing it, right? <laughs> so we often end up in this kind of uncomfortable situation where we start to notice and then we notice ourselves doing this thing over and over and over and over and over and over, right? Uh, we've all experienced this, right? But this is the way to freedom. This definitely is the way to freedom. That's fantastic that you noticed. Anybody else have something they'd like to say? We have a microphone. How could you tell? (laughs) (laughs) So the exercise to think of something um, unpleasant that was freeing, but that's counterintuitive. I I did a double take. I was like, wait, you know, you think of something unpleasant that binds you. 
And, but that's where the most interesting, most poignant kind of um, things for me came up. It's an unusual exercise for me, right? I don't, you don't usually think in those terms. You think of unpleasant things as, you know, not free. But um, so it was an interesting place to go. Yeah. Yeah, and to use a kind of like a mate for a different metric in terms of amount of comfort, as to use like oh the value in terms of finding freedom. Use a different yeah. way to evaluate. Well, it had to be. It's like something that's actually unpleasant, but not. It's not freeing because then the unpleasant thing goes away and you feel happy. But something that the actual unpleasant thing itself is freeing. It, it's interesting to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for. I think Lydia, you had a question comment. Yes. Um, there's so much fun to have a group discussion. <laughs> it's just... Good. I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, uh, especially when you mentioned about uh, the second question. And uh, I did thought, you know, I was supposed to be the first one to say uh, I didn't understand how to do that. I mean, how, how to answer the question. And once my group helped me, then we have a very um, vivid discussion because it seems like can be too extreme reaction for that in our group. You know, I, was, I tend to be relaxation to relax this unpleasant, but um, another person can be very trying to intensify that feeling until you know, certain. And uh, um, even the, another person mentioned about impermanence. If I never thought about that. That's a great way, too. So this group discussion just so alive. Mm. You know, it's, if you keep on going, I'm sure there's more you know, ideas I can absorb from that. Oh, that's nice. So... The sense that the group dynamic was it pleasant, unpleasant, <laughs> <laughs> or I, neither? <laughs> I don't know how to describe that because by end of it, I was so excited. <laughs> I, just, I think that's, that's not enough time. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. I'm not a teacher. She has to ring the bell. <laughs> Thank you, Lydia. Are there any last comments? Yes, Bill. I think uh, next to Bev is a microphone that we can send back. Uh, regarding the first question, I think we all agreed that um, being at the top of our game as far as ethical behavior is concerned uh, feels pretty darn good. Yeah. Things like generosity feel good, being ethical feel good. The thought word indeed. In thought, word, and deed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Compassion, loving kindness. There's all kinds of things. I have this real pleasant sensation that also have with a sense of freedom. So my hope today is kind of like pointing to Vedana as a way we could practice, as a way that we could look at our experience. And not only Vedana, not only whether something's pleasant or unpleasant, but to notice is it is there's that push in the mind that happens after pleasant or after unpleasant or neither pleasant nor unpleasant? Is there this push in the mind that's bringing us in the direction of more freedom, 
or less freedom. And my wish for you is that no matter what sensations you're experiencing, that you have greater and greater freedom. Thank you.